Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right, how's everybody doing? Good. Uh, it is so good uh, to see you guys. I, I'll be honest, man. You know, sometimes you go through life and you think, man, I just don't know what I would do. What would you do in the situation if you knew, hey, I only had like a little bit, a little bit of time left on this earth for whatever reason? I'm not trying to be dark, but like the, the bucket list, like what are the things you've always wanted to do? Let me hear a few. All I heard was, remember, remember, See the Northern Lights. That is a good one. I want to go to Iceland and see them. That would be an amazing place. Anybody, what were some other ones? Play St. Andrews. Oh, play St. Andrews in uh, Scotland, right? Yeah, that would be cool. I would shoot a thousand. I would shoot a thousand in golf if I played there. Uh, anybody else got one? Anybody want to skydive or anything like that? Alaskan cruise. I heard some over here. Nope. Nobody's got, y'all don't have anything? Good. You said Ireland? Ireland, that's a good one. Oh, that's cool. Baptized in the Jordan River. That's really cool. That's cool. Ireland or Iceland? Both? <laughs> I couldn't hear which one. Okay, Iceland. Anybody else got one? Because New Zealand to see the Hobbit Shire. Okay, that's right. That would be a good one. Because you get two breakfasts, right? So that's, that's what you do. The thing is, you can pretend you're a hobbit all the time and eat two breakfasts. Go ahead and live your life. Do your thing. Um, anybody else got one? That, it's, it's kind of, you know, fun to think about. You know, it's like, hey, what are the things that I want to do if I knew I had a little bit of time? Here's another thing. What would you say to people that you care about if you knew I only had one more time to spend with them for whatever reason it would be? You know, what would you say? And I don't, you don't have to call that out, but I want you to think about it. What would you say if these were like, hey, these are the last things that I want to say to um, the people? You know, one of the last things that I would want people to say to me if I have passed away and they were at my funeral, I'd want them to be walking by and look at my uh, casket and be like, oh, he's moving. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I'll be ready to go see Jesus. I don't, I don't want to be coming back to life. Um, I'm good. I love this place. I love my family. I love all y'all. But, I, you know, when Jesus is ready for me, I'm going to try my best to be ready. But that's the thing. A lot of us, you know, we think about bucket lists. We think about what would we say, you know, if we only, only had one more time to say something to somebody. And I think a lot of it boils down to is we want to have a memorable life. You know, we want to live a life that we can say, man, I accomplished something, I did something, I, I really brought something to the table, or I did some exciting things. And then I think another layer of it is we want to be remembered. You know, most of us, if we're being honest, we want people to remember us. We want to leave something behind that makes a difference. Now, for those of us who, you know, love Jesus and are, you know, a part of the church and all that sort of stuff, hopefully, you know, our mind sort of goes to spiritual things and we want to leave behind this legacy of Christ. You know, we want to point everybody to Jesus. But regardless, it's nice to know that your life counts for something. Am I right? You know, that you made an impact that makes a difference, that really lasts in people's lives. 
And the Apostle Paul, um, I believe that he was no different. I think because he realized just how messed up he was before he became a Christian, it fired him up that much more to be like, I want to make a difference with the time that I have. And that's how he had this attitude of, I don't care what happens to me, though, because if I'm going to glorify God, then that's all that matters. If, if I get mistreated, if I get you know thrown in prison, if I get stoned to death, and you know actually it looks like he may have died and come back to life, or it was really close. And he was, you know, and shipwrecked and all these sort of things locked up over and over and over again. So how do you live a life that your impact outlives you? That's a good question, right? How do you really live a life where your impact outlives you? In Acts chapter 20, it's where we're going to be spending a good chunk of our time this morning. The latter half of that anyway. Paul is, uh, he knows that, you know, his days are, are kind of numbered. You know, this isn't the very end for him. But he believes that it's the last time that he's going to see some of the people on this particular missionary journey. And he goes to Ephesus, and he wants to meet with the elders at the church at Ephesus. And he shares some things with them. And one of the things that, if you're hearing this, you may say, well, I, I'm not an elder. You know, I, I don't fit into that category. But one of the things that I've always shared, and I probably is probably not original to me, but is I believe it's a good thing for all of us as believers to try to live up as much as we can to a lot of the qualifications of an elder, a shepherd of God's people. That's a good challenge for us. It gives us something to strive for and stress for and stretch for, to reach for. What are you doing to help protect and care for others? And to answer the question, that sort of goes along with this line of thinking that has been around for a long, long time. The answer to the question is, yes, you are your brother's and sister's keeper. You know, one of the first questions we have really recorded in, in scripture was that, am I my brother's keeper? The answer is what? Yes. We're responsible for our brothers and our sisters. And no, we can't make our, their decisions for them, but we're responsible for helping them get closer to God and stay close to God. And so Paul, I believe, shares some things with the elders at the church at Ephesus that will help us figure out how we can live a life that outlasts us, make an impact that outlives us and finishes strong. So how do you do that? How do you make an impact impact that outlives you. Ephesians chapter 20, verse 17. It says, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And the first thing is this, I want you to wrap your mind around this, is serve with humility and tears. All right, right off the bat, a lot of us are like, that doesn't sound like fun. I want the skydiving. I want the bull ride. Now, you know, I want all that stuff, you know. No, he says, serve with humility and tears. This is the idea that he, he uh, communicates to these elders from Ephesus. Look at verse 18. It says, and when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived the, with, among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all what? Humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me throughout through the plots of the Jews. But you know what? Our world is in direct contradiction to Paul's challenge, isn't it? 
You know, everything that this world will try to tell you, if you want to be successful, if you want to live a life that really matters, is in really in direct contradiction to everything that Paul said. I mean, look at social media. They tell you to be as, as shallow and as, as, you know, as vapid as you can be. You know, don't do anything except think about the right here and the right now. Now, there's a few, you know, different ones that have some good things to say on social media. It's a, it's a good tool. I'm not saying, but a lot of it is just like, be about you, build your brand, right? That, that's sort of the common theme in our world today. And that's not new. It's just a new tool to do it. It's always been about promoting self and putting yourself out there and thinking of number one, put yourself first, you know, to really say, okay, I'm going to look out for me. And I, you know, I see things on social media all the time and I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. They sound good. And, I, you know, I wish I'd pulled some of them up. You know, there are memes that circulate all the time. But one of them is something to the effect of, you know, you know don't go and try to sit at tables where you're not invited. Or, you know, if people are, are, are done with you, don't go and, or one of them's like, don't cross uh, oceans for people that wouldn't cross puddles for you. And that sounds right, right? It sounds like, oh, protect yourself. You know, if they're not going to cross a puddle for me, I, there's no way I'm going to go all out and cross an ocean for them and sacrifice and lay down my life. But who does that sound like? Everybody's afraid to say that, right? It sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? We wouldn't, we'd spit in the puddle instead of crossing it for Jesus. That's what we did with our lives. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus crossed ocean upon ocean upon ocean and filled that ocean with his blood for us. And so the answer is yes, cross oceans for everybody that you can. Now, I, now I'm not going to get into the nuances of that. Yes, there are some things I don't want you to put yourself, uh, you know, you don't let somebody hurt you over and over and over again to an extent. You know, but you, there's opportunities there to forgive and there's opportunities to be sacrificial. There's opportunities to lay down your life. And that's what you're called to do, to serve with humility and tears. The world says be served. The world says get yours. The world says don't let anybody take advantage of you. But how does that work for us? Philippians chapter two, verse three says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's the way of Jesus, isn't it? That's the way of Jesus is counting other people as more significant than yourselves. The only way that will truly ever find true joy is to sacrifice ourself. That's the only way we'll ever find real peace is when we stop trying to put ourselves first and start putting God first and others a close second behind God. Because everything else is just temporary and fleeting, right? And as much as we want to believe that more stuff will satisfy us, I think if we're honest, we can take a look and step back and say, I know that's not true. Because a lot of the people with the most stuff and the most money are some of the most miserable people on the earth. They have as much misery, misery as people who have nothing. And sometimes the people who have nothing have all the joy and have all the peace. If they have the right mindset, you know? And so we remind ourselves to serve with humility and with tears. And so that's another level. You know, what does he mean by, by tears? What does he mean by tears? Here's what I believe Paul means. 
It comes from Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. And I'm just going to read this for you, so listen. It says, For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you again, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. And their minds are set on earthly things. You know, I believe the Apostle Paul was haunted by the footsteps of people on the road to hell. I really do. You know what? Far too many times, I could care less that people are dying and going to hell. You know? I don't know if y'all feel that way too. There's so many times that I catch myself saying, I don't have time. It's out of my comfort zone. I can't talk to that person. I can't have this discussion. I can't start up a conversation with somebody because I don't have time. It's it's uncomfortable to me. You fill in the blank, but we've got plenty of excuses. But I believe that Paul had this idea that, you know, he was haunted by the footsteps of people that were on the road to hell. And he said, even with tears, I want you to know that people are serving their own stomachs and calling it their gods they're just worried about what they can do and feel and touch and taste and see right now and they don't even think about the fact that there's eternity in the balance and that's why he said with tears as well as humility you know I think the the truth is is that if you understand the the weight of eternity I think you start to care about every person just a little bit more. I'm not saying it's easy. I just admitted that I struggle with it myself. When I'm in my right frame of mind, I I do care a lot. But I don't always. I don't always. But when we do, we start to care about every single person. We start to open our eyes and not be so focused on the right here and the right now, but what God has for us. And so if we seek to serve and to care about the souls of others, life comes into focus. And and honestly, and it sounds so, 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 (laughs) so counterintuitive. Right now, there's probably some of you in here who are having an argument with yourself. You're like, I cannot adopt that attitude because I will get left behind. I will get squashed. I will get pushed down low. I will get pushed to the back of the line. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. But you will never be satisfied with life until you say, I died when I was baptized into Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm going to try to serve other people. I'm going to try to serve God in everything I do. And then you'll start to have a glimpse and a true understanding of a life that's worth living. Well, he shares another idea, and I describe it as this. Don't shrink back from hard truths. Don't shrink back from hard truths. Most of us like to be liked, don't we? A lot of times, one of the things I've learned, I used to envy people that walked around kind of just be like, I don't care what people think about me. And I was like, man, I wish I could be that way. And then you know what I learned? Is 99.9% of the time, the person who says, I don't care what people think about me, cares more than everybody else. And they just have been hurt and they're jaded. And they've learned how to put on this outward thick skin while the inside they are just crumbling and dying. And they are hurt and they are lonely. You know, it it just, it it blows my mind. But what he's saying is don't shrink back from hard truths because we like to be liked. 
And Paul challenges us to avoid the sharing the difficult truths just because we're afraid of what people might think. Look at verse 20. He says, and this is halfway through a sentence, so it's a little bit confusing. We read 19 earlier. It says, but how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Imagine if we put that on some of our volunteer job descriptions for serving. <laughs> afflictions and <laughs> imprisonment, a.k.a. children's ministry, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. I think that's the way some people think about it. They're like, I don't want to go back there. They scare me. But honestly... Because of what Paul said, that's why we talk about difficult things like we talked about last week. We talk about difficult truths that a lot of times people get upset about, but if it's in the Bible, we've got to talk about it as best we can, right? We talk about things like baptism into Christ, and we talk about what it means to be surrendered to God. Why, that's why we talk about things that are like giving and really taking up our cross and discipleship, and Jesus calls us to take up our cross and die, most of us don't want that kind of Christianity. We want the kind of Christianity that just gets us out of hell, right? We don't want to have to lay down our lives. But like Paul, like Paul, even if it's not popular, we love people too much to tell them a lie. We love people too much to hold back the truth. And even if it hurts to speak truth, even if it hurts us, because we have to speak truth like Paul says, we still need to do it. Another layer of that, I believe, is an idea of this. It can be described like this. Give your life away for the kingdom of God. I think this is what Paul's saying here. Look at verse 24. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He's saying, I don't count my life as anything. And that, I mean, that is a full-time job trying to get to that mindset. A am I wrong? I mean, if you desire to have that mindset, you will stay out of so much trouble. I mean, I kid you not. You don't have time if you're continually saying, I want to just live my life for God and I want to decrease so that he will increase, then you will stay out of so much trouble. If you're trying to figure out how to kick sin, you start trying to figure out how to make yourself disappear and let Jesus be everything to you and through you. That, that's, that's where it can really start to change for you. And it's not from, I've got to do this, I've got to do all these things, it's I get to. I get to have this peace and this joy that nobody else has and that few other people can wrap their minds around. But give your life away for the kingdom of God. When you're living for eternity, everything else seems empty. Everything else seems empty. Um, you know, a couple years ago now, um, I went on this uh, weight loss journey, lost uh, a little bit of weight. But one of the things that I did was I went through this plan where you basically cut out a lot of sugar, uh, especially processed stuff. You eat a lot of fruit, but you cut out a lot of processed sugar. And I used to think a lot of things didn't have taste. I'd be like, oh, that's disgusting. You know, it doesn't have any flavor. It's not good. It's bland. 
But once I spent some time cutting out sugar, the processed sugar, I started tasting everything. And that's the way it is a lot of times in life is that when you have all this processed stuff that the world tells you is good and it's sweet and it's real and it's true and it's life, then the real things don't taste good to you. But if you cut those things out, those worldly things that are fake sugar, if, you know, and just oversweeten, so to speak, if you cut them out of your life for a while, then you start to see that the Lord is good. Taste and see, right? But until you cut that stuff out, that fake stuff, that false stuff is going to overpower what God's trying to show you. And, and so we got to surrender everything, our life away for the kingdom of God. And here's another, this is another idea, but Paul says it twice, so we're going to say it twice. Teach all of God's word. He said, I didn't shrink back from telling serious and, and real truths to you, but he basically says, teach all of God's word. Look at verse 25. He says, now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And I said, Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What's Paul saying there? He's saying, you have heard the truth. I have shared it with you. And so I know that as far as it goes between you and me, I am innocent of your blood. If you choose to reject God, it's on who? You. Because I have shared the entire word of God, the entire message of God. Does that mean that he read the entire Torah to them at that time, word for word, every time he was around them? You know, they didn't have the full New Testament put together yet. But does that mean, is that what he did? No. But he told them all the overall encompassing truths of God, what they needed to know to have a relationship with God. You know, what they needed to know to be saved and to follow and be the church that God's called them to be. So you teach all of God's word. And what we have to start doing is start treating every interaction like it's our last one. You know, just developing that mindset because, can I clue you in on something? A lot of you already understand this, but I've lied to myself about it many times. That could have been it for any one of us. Any one of us. Our family has faced a lot of death this year. I know there's others that have faced way more. But I get reminded all the time of that that could be it. We are so arrogant, myself included, to think that we've got all of this time to prepare ourselves and our friends and our family and the people that we rub elbows with, with for eternity but we just don't know how much time we have. We've got to wake up and realize that we don't know if there's any more opportunity. This might be the last time that we get to say what we need to say to people. At any moment, our life or their lives could be taken from them. And so we share the whole counsel of God. We don't shrink back from hard truths. You know, it's a quote, an old country song, live like you were dying. You know, live like every moment could be your very last breath. And that will change the way that you go about your days. You know, as much as it hurts for people to get angry at you when you share truth 
know you're not alone. Just know you're not alone. Paul, who we've been sharing his words here already in the book of Acts, he wrote to the church at Galatia in chapter 4, verse 16. He said this, Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? You know, the sad truth is, is that you will become some people's enemy by telling them the truth. But you can hold your head high like the Apostle Paul and saying that I'm innocent. It's on you. I love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to give up on you. I'll be here for you when you're ready. But if you get angry at me because I share the truth of God's word, at least you know the truth. At least you know the way out of darkness. At least you know to follow this light. And maybe, just maybe, somebody else will come and they'll water that seed. And then God will bring the increase. And I hope and pray that you will accept it. But I need to tell you the truth. The next idea is this. Protect one another. Remember we talked about earlier, the answer to the question is what? Yes, I am my brother's and sister's keeper. Protect one another. That's why Paul's so adamant about preaching the entire, the whole word of God and telling hard truths. Look at verse 28. He says this, you know, you're not going to see me anymore. I'm, I'm innocent. I've shared the whole truth with you, but here's where he picks up in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now, I just want to pause right there and say, that's why, because you look around and you see some people and you're like, yeah, I want to protect them. Others, I'm like, eh, <laughs> they're kind of obnoxious. Don't be all acting all high and mighty. Y'all think that about people. You absolutely do. <laughs> but here's the thing. What makes those people special? It was just revealed right there in that passage of scripture. The church that was what? Purchased with the blood of Jesus. That's what makes people valuable. Because guess what? None of us are valuable. Even you, even though your mama told you, you're very, very, very valuable and perfect. You're not worthy of salvation. I'm not worthy of salvation. Nobody is, but Jesus makes us that way. Praise God. And so that's why we protect one another. All right, now y'all listening too slow. Let's pick this up. All right. He says that he, uh, he obtained with his own blood. Verse 29. I know that after my departure, here's where it really is important. Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise, arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And I now commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which was able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, look out for one another. And he starts off by saying, look out for who first? Yourselves. He, he says yourselves first. You catch that? Look, protect yourselves and then protect each other, the church. And so why would it be important? And you might say, well, that's against everything you're just saying. You know, put yourself first. No, he's saying protect yourself, your mind, your heart with that helmet of salvation and that shield of faith, you know, and that sword of the spirit. Protect yourself first because if you get taken out, who's there to protect? Everybody else. And so you're looking out for yourself, but you're also looking out for everybody else. That's what a true shepherd does, because if the shepherd gets taken out, the flock will be decimated. And so we've got to understand that. And so you and I, as we start to grow in our faith, now you might be starting out, you might be brand new, and you might be saying, I don't know anything, but there is somebody who knows less than you, believe it or not. 
And there is somebody who is newer to the faith than you are. And you, even if it's just little children, you can set the example. You can set the example of the way that you live your life and the way that you show patience and the way that you handle situations. And you can set the example and help protect other people. But that's what we're called to do is look out for ourselves and look out for other people. And I cannot stress this enough. Why does he say to look out and protect one another and protect yourself? Because what? False teaching is rampant. I point this out because I believe in modern Christendom and I use that big C idea. I think a lot of people have fallen into Satan's lie to think that false teaching is not a real thing anymore. We don't have Gnosticism and we don't have the circumcision and we don't have all these things that, you know, Peter weren't warned about and Paul warned about. No, it's absolutely real. Because Paul, right, he said, you know, there's going to be a time when people will gather together, uh, these people who will scratch their itching ears, people that will say what you want to hear. And man, that is so evident, is that there's so many people that want to pick and choose and pull things out of Scripture and ignore other parts of Scripture on so many different levels, small issues and big issues. And so we've got to stand strong. He says they're going to come from outside and try to take away part of the flock. But what does he also say? They're going to also come from inside. So what does that mean? All of us need to what? Protect ourselves as well. Because it's going to come from somewhere on the inside. We can be, we can be dissuaded. We can, the, the cares of this world can squash us down so we don't care about truth anymore. And we can be hurt because hurt people hurt people, right? Hurt people hurt people. And so when we get hurt, we'll start hurting other people, and it just becomes a mess. So protect yourselves and denying that truth that there's false teaching out there and there's going to be from outside and from within, it sets us up for failure. So protect your mind and your heart and help protect other people. Always be hardworking and generous. That's the next idea that Paul shares. Always be hardworking and generous. Look at verse 33. He says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, as we talked about, we don't, we don't try to shy away from, from difficult things. And so I want to point out something right here. It, it, it might be small in the grand scheme of things, but I want to point it out. A lot of people have used throughout history this passage of Scripture and a couple of others from Paul's writings, and they say there should be no such thing as, as paid ministry. So like my job, a lot of people say it's wrong for somebody to take money for the gospel and sharing the gospel and sharing up with others. And I point that out because you read that, and it can sort of sound like that. He said, these hands of mine provided for my needs and the needs of others. But I want to encourage you to just like any other topic, we don't just take one verse from one place and pull it out of context. We look at what the scripture says about other things. And if you feel like this is silly, that's okay. But bear with me for just a second. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. 2 Corinthians 11, 8 and 9. Acts chapter 18, verse 5. Paul points out and shares how, you know, he received support financially from other people to help carry out the ministry. And so there's an idea that for both, there's times the the Apostle Paul worked to another job outside of ministry to help carry out the ministry. 
But there were times that he was there and he was serving and people gave so that the ministry could continue. It sort of varies on the situation. There were some very poor churches, and so that's why he did that at that particular place. He said, I'm not going to put any burden on this, this church that doesn't have any money. These people in this community, they don't have any money. But then there are other times when people had some means, and so he did. But what is the lesson, I think, that is really, really important? It's right there in verse 35. I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we help the, re- the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Each of us, all of us, myself, yourselves, should work hard and be giving and generous. That's why in Acts, as we've been going through, we see the Acts Acts 2, they had everything in common. They all came together. There was without anyone that didn't have a need because all the needs were met. They came together and they helped one another. That's a testimony to the power of the church to be generous, to be hardworking, and to be givers to one another to help the ministry go forth. And then the last idea is this. Make people miss you. (laughs) Make people miss you. Look at verse 36. It says, and when he had said these things, the apostle Paul, that is, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Be the kind of person that others are sad to see go instead of sad to see come. (laughs) Just being honest. Be the kind of person that people are sad to see you leaving Instead of sad to see you approaching. This week, I'm not going to lie, it was was a tough week for me. I I shared with you guys many times before, you know, it probably sounds like a broken record, but I labor over my sermons. I mean, I I pray about them. I go away about a year in advance and try to plan the whole entire year. And so sometimes (laughs) I made a joke. That's why it's like God's like putting me out there in front, you know, and it feels like I'm getting in trouble. But, you know, I'm praying about these things, and a lot of times, whatever that I'm preaching about that week, it it seems like the enemy wants to attack me related to that. And as I was preparing this message, I was like, oh, this is a pretty easy message, you know? It's like about living a good life and and, and doing ministry. But, man, Satan was working on me, and he was trying to distract me, and he was trying to discourage me. And I'll be honest, I let him win a lot this week. I was just negative-minded. Any little negative thing that I saw or perceived, I just was like, man, this sucks. You know what I mean? life stinks, you know? And and I was just upset and I was angry. And I know that made me not fun to live with, you know? But the thing is, is that God was teaching me all these lessons throughout the week, the devotion that we're doing together as a church family. Some of us are doing that several times during that week. It's talking about gratitude. And I was like, oh, come on, come on, back off me, God. Give me a break here. You know, it's like it was specifically what I was dealing with. And then this morning, I, I, I'm in a, uh, a little chat group with some other church planners. And a lot of times I don't pay attention to it on Sunday morning. But this time I did. I read their message or watched their messages. And I, I laughed and I made a joke with them. And it was just like it broke. It broke this whole gloom and doom. And I just said, God, it's going to be a good day. 
no matter what may come. And then we sang the song that say, basically, God is good. And Stephen shared the idea that sometimes our version of good is not the same version of God's good. And that's something I'd been wrestling with, and I didn't want to hear it all week. And then Stephen opened his big mouth and let, <laughs> let the Lord speak to him, right, or through him, and you know, said exactly what I've been wrestling with. But I'm reminded of that when we seek God and we pour ourselves out, that this world is just a blink of an eye. And it's just a fleeting moment. And it matters what we do because we're preparing ourselves for eternity. And I want to be the kind of person that people are excited to see me coming and sad to see me go. And I want that for you. I want that for all of us. Because those are the kind of people like the Apostle Paul that impact eternity in a positive way. Paul had lived these truths. He served with humility and tears. He didn't shrink back from difficult truths. He gave his life for the kingdom of God. He taught all of God's word. He protected the church as best he could, and he was hardworking and generous. And he was the guy that everyone wanted to see. His impact would last long after he was gone. And the kingdom of God is what lasts. So live for the kingdom Live for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this earth, but for the kingdom of God. So what area do you need to focus on this morning? Maybe it's serving humbly. Maybe it's standing for truth, the entire truth. You just need to say, I'm going to commit to standing for the truth of God's word, to knowing it, to sharing it. Maybe it's laying down your life for the kingdom. Maybe there's a glaring area in your life where you're like, this is an area I know I've got to lay down my life. Maybe it's protecting others in the truth, and it's like, I need to be on guard, and I need to reach out to my brothers and sisters that I haven't seen in a few weeks. If I don't do it, who else will? Protect other people. And maybe it's just, I want to work harder, and I want to be more generous. I don't know what your answer is, but one of the things I do know is this. We need to be praying for one another more. That's what Paul did. He went and he prayed for these elders. They prayed for him. They were sad to see him go, but we need to pray for one another. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you right now. And if there is something that you specifically want somebody to pray for you, I am more than happy to do that. And I know a lot of times I'll go stand over there and I'm all lonely. Nobody comes and talks to me. But if you need somebody to pray for you today, you can join me over there in just a few moments. I know there's other people here that might want to come join me and pray for other people too. Feel free to do that if you want to go be, be there to pray for anybody else. But we're going to pray. Let's stand. Father. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement in Seed.